This is Susanna Mitchell from Xanaland.com, and you're listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 67 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we begin a new interview with Chris Linden. Chris is a former Disneyland cast member, former Walt Disney World College program cast member, and creator of the Disneyland audio website, DisneyChris.com. This time, we focus mainly on Chris's time as a cast member on the two coasts, and next time, we finish that up and talk about his website and what makes it so incredible. Now, before our sponsor message and the interview itself, I have a very, very special announcement to make. For the foreseeable future, there may be some extra gaps between interviews, more than usual. In fact, that's what happened with this episode. But it's for what I think is an excellent reason. My wife and I are expecting our first child, due in early April 2015. As you may know, this time brings extra demands, unexpected schedule changes, and so on, so depending on what's happening any given week, family time, baby preparation, etc., may take precedence over podcasting. I do still look forward to bringing you great interviews with interesting people, though, and I hope you'll celebrate with us at this time. Now I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Choose from titles like In the Shadow of the Matterhorn by past guest David Smith, or my book, Faith in the Magic Kingdom. If you want something a little different, my favorite series of fantasy novels happens to be on there too. Not Lord of the Rings, though I do like that series, but The Five Books of the Belgariad by David Eddings. You can pick any of those as your free trial book, and it's yours to keep whether you choose to continue your membership or not. To download your free audiobook today, go to storiesofthemagic.com audible. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com audible for your free audiobook. In this episode, Chris talks about how he got started working at Disneyland, working as a steward at the Plaza Inn and the in-between, the most difficult part of that job, his favorite part about working for Disneyland, a memory he'll never forget, what it was like for him to get to go backstage for the first time, traditions class at Disneyland and comparing it to Walt Disney World, comparing other, quote, regular jobs to that first one, becoming part of the college program, working as a custodian on Main Street USA and bussing tables at a couple of restaurants, something unique to the Magic Kingdom's custodial system that doesn't exist at any other Disney park, his favorite thing to do in that first college program term, New Year's Eve in the Magic Kingdom, an explanation and description of the Utilidors, his second college program term as an attraction host, being an attraction host at Star Tours, and what he calls the bump system. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend who just celebrated their 100th episode, and then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're We're huge huge Disneyland Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news, some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little-known and often-overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www. Talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a, a Mickey, Mickey day. day. 
And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. I love talking to cast members here on Stories of the Magic. Well, really, I love talking to all of my guests and all those who want to be on the show and share their stories, memories, and love of Disney. But cast members hold a special place in my heart. Today's guest certainly fits that description, but he also shares another interest in Disney that I'm very excited to talk about because I share it as well. In the summer of 1990, at age 16, Chris Linden's very first job, Disney or otherwise, was as a dishwasher at the Plaza Inn and cast member cafeteria called the In-Between at Disneyland. In the fall of 1995, as part of the Walt Disney World College program, he worked at Walt Disney World, and then in the summer of 1996, returned to the college program. Since that time, Chris has gone on to create an amazing website dedicated to the music and audio of Disneyland. So Chris, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for your patience as we tried to get this scheduled. I know it took a little while, but we finally made it happen. My pleasure. Now, as I said in the intro, your very first job ever was working at Disneyland. So tell me a little bit about how you got started there and what you did. Well, I think since birth, I was a Disney fan. And I grew up in Southern California. We would go to Disneyland once a year. And I was obsessed with the place and with the movies and just anything Disney. When I was 16, I wanted to work at Disneyland, and I went down to Central Casting in Anaheim and applied for a job because I found out that certain positions were available as long as you were 16. So I had the interview, and some time went on, didn't hear anything, and I found out later, because she told me, my mother ended up calling Disneyland and um, pretty much said, why haven't you called my son back? You'll never find anybody as dedicated and as helpful to your park as he is. He's the biggest fan. He's, he'd be the biggest asset that you could ever have. So she kind of behind my back called and <laughs> and kind of, you know, gave me the big hard sell. So they gave me um, an entry-level position at the Plaza Inn on Main Street. I lived about an hour and a half away from Disneyland, so I actually had to rent um, a room in a little old lady's house who lived about 10 blocks away from the park. It was in the summer, so I wasn't in school. So I um, rode my bike to the park every day, checked in at Harbor House. I don't think it's there anymore, but at the time, it was a big uh, building right at the cast member entrance that uh, had the time cards, had the security check, and it's kind of where everybody began their day at the park. And uh, then I went over to the um, Behind the Primeval World is where the costume department was. Back then, they didn't let you take home your costumes. Mm -hmm. So every day I would get a fresh uniform, and it was the white uniform that uh, was pretty much the same as what the custodial staff wore. And I would get my uniform, and I would go into the locker room which was right near there um, this is all like behind where space mountain is that's where all this happened and there was a, um, a store there for cast members only where you could buy all sorts of discounted merchandise and exclusive cast member merchandise which was pretty neat was that company d or was that somewhere else company d that's that was company i was d. trying to remember what it was called so you you reminded me so anyway then i would go um, to the in-between, which faced uh, the backstage area, but on the other side of the in-between, in the same building, facing on stage, was the Plaza Inn. So they kind of cleverly named the cafeteria for cast members the in-between. And in the middle of the facility was the kitchen. And they did the cooking and the dishwashing for both. And back then... It was um, all hot-cooked food, 
the cast members had dishware and silverware and glasses and there was no paper cups or paper everything was you know nice for the cast members back then Mm -hmm. so my job was to wash dishes they called the position a steward but it was basically a dishwasher that at disney they like to give their positions a nicer title they pretty much do that with every position instead of calling it a janitor they call it a custodian Right. You know, instead of calling it a dishwasher, they call it a steward. So I had never worked a day in my life. I remember the first day, I had no idea what I was in store for. <laughs> to go from, you know, just a kid who had never worked uh-huh. to a major physical job of being on your feet for eight hours, lifting heavy things. By the end of the day, my whole body was so sore, I was in tears. I thought I could never, ever go back. Oh. But I did, and I you know, got used to it. My muscles adjusted. What was interesting is uh, they had this conveyor belt machine, which is what washed the dishes. So aside from pots and pans, which were washed by hand, the main dishes, the plates, silverware, everything like that, went through this giant machine, and you would load the dishes on one end, and they would move through this big machine and come out the other end clean. So there were two positions. You either were loading the machine, or you were on the other end unloading the machine. And it was in constant motion, all day it was a constant moving through of dishes it, the machine never stopped mm-hmm. so um the problem was if you were on the unload side if you were too slow the machine would the the dishes would hit a safety mechanism and the whole operation would stop and everybody get mad at you so when you were on the unload side you had to be on your toes and you had to get everything out of that dishwasher quick and they had shelves all around you where all the different things went so you would take the things off of the the dishwasher and stick them where they belonged on the shelves that were all around you and the most difficult task was when they brought you a bunch of trays you know the trays that you carry your food on oh yeah they were heavy and you would have you know about 200 at a time and you would just load them all in on the dishwasher all in a row and they would move through and then you had to like like an assembly line you had to take the trays off the conveyor belt as you know, making sure that you didn't get behind because it would stop the machine. And all day long, the bus boys would bring you, and I don't think they had any female bussers back then. They were all young guys. They would bring you, you know, trays of dirty dishes constantly in big tubs. Mm -hmm. And you would just load them on the machine. So it was an interesting job. It was very efficient, as Disney always is. Right. And it was a lot of hard labor, hard work. And I made it through the summer, but my favorite part about working there was when I had a day off because I could get into Disneyland for free. And up until that point, I went to Disneyland once a year which was common back then. People didn't have, you know, annual passes back then like they do these days. Mm -hmm. Most people who lived in California would visit once a year, and if you were lucky, twice. So for the first time in my life, I could go to Disneyland all the time, and it was so exciting. And that was a terrific summer because it was the 35th anniversary. They had the big party gras parade going on. 
They had um, the Dick Tracy's Diamond Double Cross show at the Videopolis. I remember that show, and it was fantastic. I loved that show. And the other interesting anecdote that I tell is how I would, you know, have my breaks in the in-between as well. So I would have my lunch there, and oftentimes when I was eating there, the people who performed in the Party Gras parade would be taking their meal and they would be in full costume. And there were all these crazy dressed people in party gras costumes just sitting around, eating, chatting, you know, men with no shirts on, women with fruit in their hair like Carmen Miranda. It, <laughs> it was just crazy. I'd never seen anything like it, but it was pretty nifty. I, that's a memory I'll never forget. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. So that was my first job. And uh, it was a lot of hard work. I can't say that I loved the job itself. But it was really neat to be at Disneyland to see everything behind the scenes, to go to places where other people haven't been, you know, to see behind Space Mountain every day and that whole cast member area that's never seen by guests. So. It was a good experience, and uh, it just furthered my passion for Disney. That hard work did not sway me. Good. What was it like actually being able to get to go backstage that first time? I was just awestruck because I'd never seen it back there before. And to see everything from behind, like to see the back of Space Mountain... When I would go get my paycheck, I would go over to, there was a credit union behind the fire station. Um, so I would cross over to the other side and I would see where the horses are getting ready for the, to go out and pull the trolley cars. I would see the um, characters and uh, the enchantment was not taken away from seeing backstage, I think it made it even more magical because you would see how things are backstage, you know, and then when you walk on stage, it's like this transition from reality to fantasy that's even more abrupt than if you walked in from the entrance of the park, which was then the parking lot, you know, it wasn't California Adventure back then. Right. So it was even more magical to walk from backstage to on stage because it was, you know, industrial air vents and, you know, trash bins and and then to walk on the main street from that was pretty amazing to say the least. So I think it added magic for me. Some people say how, you know, when they see backstage it takes away the the fantasy, but not for me. That's a really interesting perspective. That's great. Yeah. Now, even though you were backstage in the kitchens, I assume you still went through traditions class. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Every cast member does. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. What was that like? Well, I can compare it because I went through traditions at Walt Disney World, too. So the Disneyland traditions... I think was a lot more focused on Walt. At least it was back then, because this was Walt's park. So it was all about Walt's philosophy, Walt's way of doing business. For me, being the huge Disney fan I was, it was like all this Disney information. I loved it, but I knew it all already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there were a lot there were a lot of people there that had no idea anything about Disney, but then they would, you know, ask trivia questions and I had to like bite my tongue because I knew all the answers. I didn't want to seem like a know it all. Right. But um I really enjoyed traditions and I learned a lot of things I didn't know before because on the second day they would bring you into the park and they went over the whole red carpet analogy and the opening credits analogy of Main Street and how it's supposed to represent the opening of a film. 
in that the walkways entering the park are are red because they represent the red carpet being rolled out for you to enter the film and then you see the posters as you walk in because it's like you're in the lobby entering the theater showing you the coming attractions and then as you walk down main street and you see the windows those represent the opening credits of the movie showing you you know starring walt disney as <laughs> you know so i never heard that one before so that was the first time i learned that that was interesting mm -hmm. interesting enough they did the same thing at walt disney world they when i had traditions there they went through the same analogy of the movie theater but that was fun and then they took us on pirates of the caribbean just like it was a guided tour you know we just all walked on from the exit and uh they showed us you know training videos of how to properly work with uh people with disabilities and you know how to handle disgruntled people in the Disney way and um, they handed out all these fantastic brochures which I still have you know training manuals with um, really fantastic graphics and I kept all of them fortunately they're collectible now yeah so yeah traditions gets an A plus from me <laughs> that's the best training I ever had I'm sure yeah yeah. After you were uh, working there at Disneyland, and you did that for the one summer, right? Right. Did you go back any summers after that between there and college program? No, I didn't. I moved away to um, Massachusetts when I was 17. Okay. So I couldn't go back. Right. So did you have any other jobs between Disneyland and the college program? Yeah, well, I had, you know, I worked at McDonald's and... I worked in a couple retail stores. I think I, I worked at the Wilson's, remember the Wilson's leather store? I worked there for a summer. I worked in a dry cleaners. So yeah, you know, just basic summertime jobs. What was it like going from your first job being Disneyland to those other jobs? It was quite different because Disneyland is so big and it's like a big, corporation and and there's a lot of people and it's just so it's like comparing an airport terminal to a bus station working at a ma and pop uh, dry cleaning chain there's like five employees you know everybody but I will say that those jobs were a little more laid back than working at Disneyland <laughs> but McDonald's was not I would prefer to work at Disneyland than McDonald's any day that was a terrible job I did not really yeah I did not enjoy McDonald's at all another difference which is interesting is that if you're a cast member at Disneyland the guests look up to you as if you're the gold standard and there's a lot of respect given to any cast member be they a a custodial or an attractions host there's just a, a certain level of respect given because Disney has a high standard in who they hire and you know you have to be a certain way you have to be a positive person you have to you know but when you work at McDonald's or at a dry cleaners it's the opposite people tend to you know think you're less than them and they look down on you so that's a difference too even though that's absolutely not true that's just how people tend to subconsciously you know treat you right interesting and actually one other thing about traditions before we move on just because i always like hearing about this part of the story do you remember actually getting your name tag yes i do yeah they handed it to you in class. It was on a table, and you went up and you picked it out. 
And back then, um, when I worked at Disneyland, it didn't have anything on it other than your name, your first name. It didn't have like where you were from or anything. Uh-huh. They didn't start doing that until later, but that was fun. And I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah. So then, you know, we've moved on a few years now. You're in college and you've get a chance to be part of the college program. Did you already know about that, like from your time at Disneyland, or how did you find out about the college program? I didn't know about it until I was in college, and I heard about it because they put up uh, posters and you know around campus advertising it. But I had to go to another college to apply because they didn't recruit at my school. Oh, so I had okay. I, I went to University of Massachusetts Dartmouth. I was an illustration major, and I had to go to another school in Bristol, Massachusetts to apply, and I actually applied three times before I finally was accepted. Really? Wow. Yeah. I was very disappointed the first two times, but finally I got accepted. The third third time was the charm. The interesting thing about the interview process for that is they did group interviews and and that's actually every interview I've ever had with Disney is handled that way I think that's their way of telling who's the standout among the group they put you in a group interview situation and they have three or more people and they interview you all at once um, mm-hmm. and uh, when you don't know that's what's going to happen that can throw you off. So I had a little bit of an advantage on the second and third time because I knew, you know, what to expect. I also kind of made the mistake the first time, I think. My dad pressured me to bring some of my artwork with me because he thought, oh, show them your Disney art. And I think that kind of made them think that I was a little too eager <laughs> yeah. You know, like a little kind of geeky, a little too geeky for them. Maybe geeky isn't the right word, but a little too gung-ho. A little too obsessed. A little too obsessed. So th- I think that was a bad idea. So on the second and then on the third time, I did not bring my artwork with me. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. I had a huge map that I drew of Disneyland. And my dad made me bring it. Did you learn something different between, especially the second and third time? Or what was it that you think, if you have any idea, that made them select you the third time, but that they hadn't the second? Well, you know, when you're that age, every year you definitely mature a lot more than when you get to be older, you know? Every <laughs> year makes a difference in your maturity level when you're 18, 19. So I think that I kind of grew up a little bit, had a little bit more experience in the workplace because I had held some summer positions. And I also knew the process of how they conducted everything. Okay. You know, I knew it would be a group interview. I knew the type of questions they were going to ask. I knew better than to bring my artwork <laughs> right. You know, I kind of knew how to be enthusiastic, but not overly enthusiastic. I kind of learned that. So by the third time, I was a pro, I guess. So they finally caved in and hired me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So you start working in the college program, and that then became your first on stage position, right? Yeah, I never thought of it that way, but yeah, that's absolutely true. So what did you do in your first summer in the college program? I worked in the Magic Kingdom on Main Street, USA, as a custodian, which uh, is probably the story, a tale of two cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Uh-huh. It's probably the best place to be if you're a fan of Disney because you're right there on Main Street with the castle, and it's probably the most Disney place on the whole property but it's the most disney place on the whole property therefore it is the busiest place 
And if you're a custodian, that's not always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, best of times, worst of times. But I had to pinch myself almost every day being there. Every time I looked up at the castle, I was just, you know, being a Disneyland person growing up in California, I had only been to Disney World two times before I worked there. So just seeing that big castle every day, I was just always amazed every time I looked at it. And, you know, even though I saw it every day, I just never got over it. Every time I turned and saw it, I just couldn't believe I was there. Back then, they kind of combined the custodial department with uh, busing restaurants. Okay. So in addition to days when I would be a street sweeper, there were also days when I would be assigned to bus tables at fast food places, uh, mainly Casey's Corner and the Plaza Pavilion, which for those people that are Disneyland people, the Plaza Pavilion in Disney World is uh, on the opposite side next to Tomorrowland, and it's actually themed to Tomorrowland. It, it isn't, you know, Main Street themed. It's connected right to Tomorrowland next to what is now the Monsters, Inc. attraction. Okay, yeah. It's uh, kind of like starts where Main Street ends and Tomorrowland begins. So... My point being, when I worked there, I had to wear the Tomorrowland costume. And when I worked at Casey's Corner, I had to wear a baseball costume. And then when I worked on Main Street, I wore, you know, the regular white custodial costume. But right when I stopped, right when towards the end of my position, they had just decided to start giving the custodians uh, on Main Street a special costume, too. I don't know how long that lasted, but towards the end, I started to have to wear knickers with long white socks and a bow tie with a blue shirt and a cap, you know, like a, I call it a chimney sweep cap. I don't know the terminology for it, but, you know, that type of cap I had to wear. Uh huh. So it was kind of fun because I got to wear, I didn't just have to wear the white boring thing. For the whole time i got to wear different costumes interesting about working at the plaza pavilion was this was right after the new tomorrowland had just opened this was by the way this was uh the fall of 1995 i believe when i worked there okay so the new tomorrowland had just opened recently and they were still playing the the kind of jazzy silly music that they first played they had changed it to more you know new age music later but when it first opened they kind of were playing retro 1930s music because it was supposed to be the tomorrow of the past it was the theme they were going for kind of a retro tomorrow uh-huh. so they played this kind of warner brothers sounding music from the 30s that was the music I heard all day long when I worked at the pavilion. And I had to wear the brand new costumes they had just designed for the new Tomorrowland, which were gray and they had blue panels. They were kind of fun. Okay. And then um, Casey's Corner had actually just recently been redesigned too. It had been Coke Corner for a while since the park had opened actually. And it had just been refurbished to become Casey's Corner. So um, I had to wear the baseball uniform. And I was, and I still am, a little tubby. So I had a few times people think that I was supposed to be Babe Ruth. <laughs> and I was like a walk-around character. And I actually had people ask me for my autograph. And I had to explain that I'm not Babe Ruth. I'm just... <laughs> I'm just bussing tables. It's just a coincidence that I look like Babe Ruth. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I preferred uh, doing the street sweeping to doing the, the restaurant duty because that was a lot more work and there was a lot less guest interaction because it was more about keeping up with keeping the place clean 
because it was a constant cleaning up after people constantly because they were crowded places and there wasn't really much time to visit with guests. So when I was doing street sweeping, there was a lot more guest interaction, a lot more talking with people, which I enjoyed a lot more. Mm -hmm. One interesting thing about the Magic Kingdom, and this is unique to the Magic Kingdom, there is no other Disney theme park, including the ones in Florida, that have this system. They call it the AVAC. And this was designed in 1971 when the park first opened. And originally, this system was intended to be used all over the entire property, but they actually never implemented it any place other than the Magic Kingdom. What this is, is it's a system in which you deposit the trash, and it goes underground, and it gets sucked away to a treatment plant. Hmm. So when you empty the trash bins, you bring them backstage, and, to, and there's several stations located throughout you know the backstage areas of the magic kingdom there's probably about 20 of them throughout the grounds and you would go into a little not really little little but kind of a shack that had tile walls inside and it had a big round canister which looked like a giant trash can bolted to the ground and it was, you know, this big iron thing with a lid on it. And you would lift the lid and you would dump all the trash into this thing and it would go through the thing and it would be hollow and it would go underground. The trash would go through and then go underground. I don't know if I'm describing that properly, but... I can kind of picture it, yeah. So then you would close the lid and you would push a button... And all of the trash would get sucked away. I don't know exactly where it went, but some sort of a treatment plant. This was originally intended to be a system that would be used for um, when they built Epcot as an actual city. Mm -hmm. This was part of the master plan for Epcot, to quote Walt Disney. And um, they never ended up using it any place other than the Magic Kingdom. So anyway, one thing I really dreaded is if I was assigned trash duty because that was a messy job and it was a physical and very difficult job. And usually it was the new people, the newbies and the college program people that got stuck with it. So they would have certain time periods throughout the day that were the trash time. And somebody, some unlucky person would be assigned to it. And you would have to leave your pan and broom and stop everything and go do this until you're done. And you would have to go down the street and empty every single trash bin and then cart it backstage and dump it into the AVAC. And you would have to make about 20 trips because you would get so filled up with trash that you couldn't fit it all in one trip and that they were heavy and it was dirty and it smelled and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a pleasant thing to do i had i usually had it every day choice of college program yeah and uh the worst time was when you had it at the end of the day oh and even worse is because my area didn't just include main street it also included the entrance to the park when you had trash duty you would be assigned a section you would do the whole you know from central plaza all the way to the entrance you would have one like one person would be assigned the entrance one person would be assigned town square one person would be assigned you know main street proper and then another person central plaza so when you got assigned the main entrance, that was the worst because the trash cans were so spread apart. You had to go all the way down to where the buses were, down to the docks where the boats left off. Uh -huh. And the worst part was going up to the monorail station because there were all these people there and and it was crowded and you had to like move this big cart up a ramp and 
fight your way through the people. And it was really bad at the end of the day when you had to fight through the people that were tired and, and <laughs> leaving the park. And, you know, they weren't exactly in the best mood. But I did it with a smile because I loved being there. And it was hard work. You know, it wasn't the most glamorous job I've ever had. But I was there. I was at the park. And then there were those moments when I was being a street sweeper. That was my favorite thing to do. And I would have people come up and ask me questions about things. And I usually gave them more information than they had asked for. <laughs> you know, I would go into like the history of things. and <laughs> We just wanted to know where to sit for the parade. We didn't want to know all about every parade that's ever been here. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, I recently recorded a podcast for another podcast where I go through the entire history of Disneyland parades. So yeah, I, I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, one thing that I kind of did without being asked to do is I always kind of went the extra mile and I like to straighten things out. Okay. In other words, like I would go up to the train station platform and I would rearrange all the chairs and make them look nice Nobody ever told me that was part of my job, but I just wanted it to look the way that it should look. Because people would move everything to like get a good position for the parade or whatever. And so like after the parade, I would just go up there and put all the chairs back where they belong. And the rocking chairs in front of the town square building where they um, they used to have the Walt Disney Story. I don't. There's a name of that building. I don't remember what it is, but it's on the opposite side of City Hall, they had all these white rocking chairs. And I would go over there and when people weren't there and I would fix the rocking chairs so they looked like they were in the right spot. I just felt like I was a part of making it look nice and it made me feel special. Mm -hmm. Another thing that was interesting was uh, when there were parades going on, they would often have to have you stand somewhere and tell guests to get off the trash cans and to not stand on the stairs because it's a fire code. And that would cause a lot of unhappiness when people were told they couldn't do something. So that was interesting, having to learn how to handle being yelled at by thousands of people. You know, you just have to take it and bite your tongue and you know, realize that this is their vacation, this is their time, and I did the best I could to not let it get to me, but I have to admit at times it kind of did, because I'm only human, but... <laughs> did that ever get easier as time went on? No, it didn't. It didn't. I'm a sensitive person, so I take things personally, unfortunately, but... Sure. I actually worked there during the holiday time because it was like fall winter that I worked there on Main Street. So I was there with all the Christmas decorations, which was wonderful. And I had to work on Christmas Day and I had to work on New Year's Eve. Now, let me tell you about New Year's Eve. Please do. I have never seen so many people in my entire life and I probably never will again because you will have to hold me at gunpoint to get me to go to a Disney theme park on New Year's Eve ever again. <laughs> I didn't even know what I what I was doing there because I couldn't do anything. I was just squeezed between people. I couldn't sweep anything. I was just standing there. I could I couldn't do my job. There were too many people. There was no way to to do anything. But despite the crowd, it was so much fun because it was just crazy. You were there, you were part of it, and it was just amazing to see that and one thing that will always remain in my memory and i'm sure other people have seen this too but when they did the fireworks and they shot them off from all around the park in 360 degrees they can't do that at disneyland because it's surrounded by anaheim but at uh 
Walt Disney World on special occasions like the 4th of July and New Year's Eve. They go the extra mile and they actually shoot the fireworks off from every direction and you're just surrounded by fireworks all around you. I've never seen anything like that. It was pretty amazing. But after the guests left, we were there for a long time cleaning. (laughs) It was (laughs) just like a pile of debris everywhere like i said i've never seen that many people i've never seen that much trash either in my life but one thing that will always stand out for me is um working in the magic kingdom was that nobody else did this and i don't know why and i don't know maybe i wasn't supposed to do this but nobody told me not to so i did it anyway you know, they have the utilidors under the park where you walk from, you know, where you check in and then you, you go to the back of the park underground. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, when your shift is over, that's how you leave the park. But when I was closing, instead of um, using the utilidor, I would walk through the park. To the back of the park i would walk down main street and through the castle and through Fantasyland, and then go down to the utilidors from where it's a small world was so basically i would walk through the park and be the only person there oh wow what was that like that was pretty incredible because it was still all lit up they were playing the music but there was not a person in sight because every cast member was underground. All the guests had left. There was literally no one there but me. I felt like I was Walt Disney walking through the park. Sure. It was amazing. I don't understand why nobody else did that. Maybe nobody else thought of it. Maybe nobody else cared to do it. But I did it. Every time I closed, I did that. And... uh I'll never forget it. Oh, that sounds amazing. The Utilidors, I should mention, the cast member parking was in the back of the Magic Kingdom, to the north of the Magic Kingdom, and a bus would bring you to the main entrance of the Utilidor, which is right behind where It's a Small World is. You would enter the Utilidor, and you would go to the costume department. There were lockers down there, and then... There was a huge cast member cafeteria right there. And then the custodial check-in was down towards Main Street. So you'd walk through the utilidors to the, you know, to the beginning of them where the custodial check-in was. And the utilidors were interesting because they had these murals painted on the walls so you knew what land you were underneath. It was color-coded and they had like a little logo for each land i think they had a carousel for fantasy land they had like a flag for liberty square they had space mountain for Tomorrowland. so you knew what land you were under that was pretty neat seeing the utilidors every day yeah that's interesting about the murals and the color coding i've talked to a few other people who have told me a little bit about the utilidors but nobody's mentioned that yeah well i think because i'm an artist Maybe I noticed those things. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my experience as a custodian on Main Street. Very cool. And then you went back the next year and did the college program again, right? Right. The following summer, summer 96, I went back and I finally made my way up to being a attractions host. And this time I was assigned to work at the Disney Studios. And let me say that this was right after they stopped calling it the Disney MGM Studios. But before they had coined the term Disney's Hollywood Studios. So at the time, it was just called the Disney Studio Theme Park. But everybody still called it MGM, even the cast members. (laughs) And I still call it MGM, so. (laughs) I'm sure. I was cross-trained, and I was one of only a couple people who was cross-trained, but for some reason they wanted me to work at both the 
Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular and also Star Tours. And I work probably more at Star Tours, probably like 25% of the time at the Epic Stunt and about 75% of the time at Star Tours. On the Epic Stunt Spectacular, I was an usher who, you know, let the people into the show, made sure everybody was seated and work the turnstile, work the queue, that sort of thing. And then at, at Star Tours, I was what they call an astro attendant, which is an attractions host. They give it the name astro attendant. And you know how I had mentioned that my name tag when I worked at Disneyland just had my name on it? Mm-hmm. When I worked at Star Tours, they gave us a name tag and you had to pick a place in the Star Wars universe that you wanted to be from. And they put that as your where you're from because at that point they were putting like everybody's hometown on their name tags Mm -hmm. so for star tours hosts instead of putting your actual hometown you would put what planet you were from (laughs) and i picked yoda's planet dagobah so um the person who trained us for star tours had recently moved to the tower of terror So she um, brought us over to the Tower of Terror to kind of show off her stomping grounds to our little group that was training under her. And she actually brought us to the very top of the tower where there was a fire ladder. And we got to go up to the very tippy top of the building where guests are never allowed to go, like above where the elevator is. And we got to stand up on this, like, lookout platform, and we could see basically the whole property. We could see the Magic Kingdom from where we were. Wow. That was pretty neat. So the interesting thing about being a attractions host, and I don't know if this has changed since I worked there, but they had this really ingenious system called the bump system. At least that's what I call it. Okay. We did call it bumping when we did this, but I don't know if the official term would be the bump system, but that's good enough. Anyway, (laughs) what it is is they had all these positions within the, the attraction. Each position had different tasks and responsibilities, and they were all progressive. Each position would move through the attraction. So there was the turnstile host who worked at the entrance to the attraction then there was the queue area where people were entering the building and then it would move there to load where you loaded people onto the ride and then you would be the person who started the ride and then the next position would be the unload etc and then there was also the tower position where you sat in the control room and and did safety you watched monitors where you could see every cabin and you know every star speeder and see the guests in there make sure nobody was standing and if anybody stood up if anybody threw up or anything like that you had a red button that you would push to stop the ride and like people would call you and say you know there's a spill on the unload and then you would make sure that that got cleaned up so basically when you were working the tower you were kind of operating the whole ride and you were in charge of safety and everything i love doing that because you got to sit down and you felt like you had all this power you were in charge of star tours (laughs) (laughs) but anyway the bump system what it was is everybody would move along these positions in a certain order And then when you got to the end, you would take a 15-minute break. And then when the 15-minute break was through, you would go back to the beginning of the rotation and you would bump the person in that position up to the next position. So you never had to do the same thing for a long time. So everybody's like, how could you be a cast member and do the same thing all day long? Well... The way they keep attractions hosts so happy is they never have to do the same thing all the time, and they get tons of breaks because of this bump system. Uh So 
you stand in the same position for about 15 minutes and then you get bumped to the next position and the next position and they split it up into two separate rotations so there was like the first rotation and then you would take a break and you would work just that rotation so you didn't even have to go through the whole attraction you only did half of it before you got a break so at the end when you were at the last position and somebody bumped you you went and took a break and then when you were done with your break you came back to the beginning and started over again and it would be slower during lunchtime because you would take a longer break for lunch so the rotation would be slower at lunchtime but I would have about 10 breaks a day so I was always relaxed. You never got overheated because you never had to stand outside for a long time because there were only two positions that were outdoors. So you didn't have to be outside all the time and you got to take lots of breaks. So you were always in a good mood. You never felt overworked and, you know, it was fun. It was a really fun job. I never dreaded going to work and I I just enjoyed it so much I love to load people onto the ride they had this whole mathematical formula of how to properly load people so that all the parties could sit together you would ask how many people in their party and I don't remember how it worked exactly but they had this whole system worked out where you knew that if there were five people you had to put them in this row and if there were two people you had to put them in this row so that it would work out so that everybody could be sitting together. It was pretty ingenious how they figured that out. Yeah, I always wondered about that. The many times I've ridden Star Tours, it almost, like from the guest perspective, seems random about who goes where. Yeah, no, they have a whole formula worked out where they know how to place you so that you get to sit with your group. It's pretty amazing. But anyway, the, the other thing is they actually, I don't think they do this at Disneyland, but at Walt Disney World, you do a spiel before you go on the attraction. So I would always do a little safety spiel before the doors opened, right after the, the film. Remember the film with the, the lady with the weird bun in her hair? Oh, yeah. From the old original Star Tours. That film would play, and then after it ended, you would do a, your own little safety spiel. And you did it so that you seemed like you worked for an airline. You did it in a way so that you... It seemed like you Star Tours was a an airplane and you were like a, a flight attendant. So like I would say, welcome aboard Star Tours flight number, you know, whatever it was, to the moon of Endor. We ask that you please put all your carry-on luggage beneath your seat. You know, we did it like that. Um, and then I had my whole spiel, and I it was years ago, so I don't remember exactly what I said, but... I had my whole thing worked out perfectly, you know, so that it timed perfectly so that as soon as I was done, the doors would open. So I seemed like I knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun to be able to give a spiel, especially because I've had a, I've done a lot of theater and acting. So I enjoyed, you know, pretending to be a flight attendant of the future. I, I got to wear a really neat orange jumpsuit. And I'm saying that sarcastically. <laughs> so working at the indiana jones uh, epic stunt spectacular was uh pretty epic too i had to usher about two thousand people in and i would have to stand in front of the entire audience that brings us to the end of this week's show a special thank you to Chris Linden for being my guest, and to you for listening. Next time, we'll get more cast member stories, and you'll find out all about the amazing website DisneyChris.com and why you need to check it out right away, especially if you're a fan of the Disneyland audio experience. If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, created a website, you're blogging, writing or performing music, art, whatever and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. I also want to hear from and talk to people who have worked for Disney. So if you've worked for the Walt Disney Company in any capacity, and you'd like to share a positive story, you can email or call me anytime, 24 hours a day. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, let's talk. 
And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, or give a compliment or a thank you for anything Disney's done, I'd love to hear from you, too. In any of these cases, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. In fact, I did get a new rating this week and a new review in iTunes. It was a three-star review, which isn't quite what I hoped for, but it was an honest review with some good comments, and so I appreciate that. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories. And this tale continues next time. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world. <laughs>